What's up, party people? Episode number 14. My guest is Mike Storwald. He is the head coach for the Scrapyard softball team, professional softball team. He's also the associate head coach at Utah Valley currently. And we're going to get into a little bit of WCWS, Women's College World Series, our thoughts, what the pitchers look like. We're going to talk a little bit about baseball versus softball swings. Do we really need to have trajectory and upswing or not? A launch angle or not? We're going to talk about the off-speed pitch how crucial that is to pitchers being effective against these great hitters these days. Let's go. Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. What's up, everybody? It's Rob Cruz with Transcending Sports. I have a special guest. Been here before. He's actually Mike has was my guest on my pilot show, my first my first episode. Uh, Mike Stewart, who is the associate head coach currently at Utah Valley, he is a uh, special advisor to player development for the junior national team, and he is scrapyard softball head coach Mike Stewart. What's up, Stu? Hey, how are you, man? <laughs> Good to talk to you as always. Yeah, good to be back on with you. We have a lot to talk about, mainly because World Series is over. Last night, UCLA clinched it, um, their 12th title. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, their 12th title. And um, yeah. I want to talk to you about some of the things that I saw, some of the things that you saw in the World Series. Um, among other things, we got to get to today. Um, but, you know, yesterday I predicted that you know, after the, after the blowout on Monday, I predicted that last night it, it would definitely be closer. But I thought that Oklahoma would actually pull it out and we would go, we would see a third game. Um, I was wrong, but it, it was a great game to watch. Um, um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree. I mean, last night's game was phenomenal. Um, you know, after Monday night, you knew Oklahoma was going to come back with a lot of fight, uh-huh. and they showed that at senior class. Uh, they've experienced pretty much everything there at the World Series, so you knew they were going to try and put that team on their back. Um, and then you got Garcia on the other side that just wasn't going to let the Bruins lose. So, yeah, so um, I thought that um, the pitching was superb, obviously. You know, aside from that game one, I mean, just throughout the World Series, you know, from, from beginning to end, you had a lot of great pitching. Washington, you know, Alabama had some great pitching um, performances, the Alabama staff. Um, other than that, that last game with Florida, they had some great, great pitching performances. Um, what were your thoughts on, like, on some of the things that you noticed with the pitching um, that was able to um, neutralize some of the, some of the great hitters that, that we saw in, in the postseason? Well, I think uh, one of the things you saw from the pitchers in the World Series, especially those that were very effective, was um, an effective use of off-speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hitters are so good in the game today that if you're a pitcher even throwing 70, 71, 72, uh, hitters second, third time through the lineup are already getting that timed up. So if you don't have something to play off that pitch, uh, you're going to not last very long and not have a lot of success in the circle. So mm-hmm. I think that that's what you saw from 
you know, um, G with Oklahoma, even Rachel at UCLA, mm-hmm. um, some of the others, Gabby Plain, you know, Taryn at Washington and others in the World Series, you saw that when they were most effective, they had an off-speed pitch that off, uh, that complemented everything that else that they threw. Yeah, that's that's very true. And you know what else? I, uh, they were really good at, at, at just creating movement on the off-speed down. You know, yes, they spotted yes, it really well sure. with, with great movement, and I thought that I thought that was also key, because most of these pitchers that I was you know I was watching, they were, they were very effective low, and then they were very deceptive up, because that, that, that yeah, and, and you and you know when you watch when you watch it, you're like, why do they keep swinging at this rise ball? Why do they keep swinging at the rise ball? You're like, why do they keep swinging at it? But it's really tough to lay off. Talk a little, talk to me a little bit about that rise ball and and some of the things that you know. And why hitters swing at it? And then, and what, as a as a, a hitting coach, how do you how do you coach that? Well, I think what you saw is some of the game's best rise balls, you know, over the last week. And um, one of the things that you know we even talked to our pitchers about is just trying to create the late jump. And that's obviously the most effective rise ball you can have is something with late jump because. To a hitter, you know, if you see it out of the strike zone early out of the hand, that's an easy pitch to lay off of. But the later it stays in the strike zone and creates that movement out of the zone um, for a hitter, you know, you've already committed to that swing once you've made that read. Um, so I think that what you saw a lot from Garcia, especially earlier in the World Series when she wasn't as tired as she was the last two days um, to some of the other pitchers, is when they were able to create that effective jump late in the tunnel, um, it made it a lot harder for hitters to lay off that pitch. Yeah, you know it's funny. Um, I, I feel like you know, and, and I, I, Jessica Mendoza mentioned this um, in her analysis of being both working with baseball and softball, and it's very softball has evolved to the point now where. In terms of the ratio of strikeouts to home runs has gone up. The home runs have gone up in softball, um, and so have the strikeouts. And obviously, mm-hmm. and obviously, I'm talking about power five top. I'm talking like I'm talking top, top, top fifty softball. Um, um, so to to that you say what? Because you know t- traditionally it's it's been it's been put the ball in play, put the ball in play. Let's cut down on the strikeouts. And obviously, you do have to cut down on the strikeouts. But wh- why do you think we're seeing that shift in in, in the evolution of the game with with the, with the high strikeouts and, and and the high home run ratio? Well, I think um, a lot of it goes to philosophy, and some of it might even be a trickle down effect from the baseball side of things. Mm-hmm. With you know a lot more coaches um, speaking of launch angles and things like that these mm-hmm. days. So mm-hmm. I think that. When it comes to the softball side, especially when you get to the top 25, 35, 40 teams in the country, when you're facing those pitchers, it's very hard to string three hits together in an inning or get a hit and, you know, then you got to lay, lay down a bunt and hope for a hit from the next two hitters. Um, plus, you have outfield arms that a, a base hit isn't necessarily guaranteeing you a run anyways now. So I think that you have a lot more on the offensive side from hitting coaches and just philosophies that say we're going to attack pitches 
um, and try and drive these balls into gaps and try and drive them out. I think the other aspect of the game right now is that females are just so much stronger across the board uh, from even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And not that we didn't have strong females at that point, but every everyone now is expected to be in the weight room. You know, players are coming in from travel ball having been in the weight room for three or four years. So they get to you as freshmen in college and they're already stronger than they would have been a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that with fences being between 190 and some parks to 220, um, the you know, that's a routine fly ball for some of these hitters in, in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's funny. I, I was reminiscing about um, years ago when Kelly Anyway Perez first took over as the head coach at UCLA. I had the opportunity to go in and work with UCLA and, as a speaker and a, um, a vision, vision training specialist. <clears throat> and before I got there, I did a statistical analysis on the on the Pac-10, as it was professionally called back then. And the previous year, prior to that, I think Arizona had won it. And so when I did my, statist- my statistical analysis, I noticed that Arizona led the Pac-10 in home runs. I think they led the country in home runs. Mm-hmm. And they also led the Pac-10 in strikeouts. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad stat because when at, at that point and outs and out, like if my gamble, like if my, like, for example, like if I, if I'm a home, if I'm a power hitter and I hit 500 in the summer, <clears throat> summer fall, I hit 500 with hundred at bats. So I have, if I had 50 hits and I make 50 outs, if I, if I get 12 home runs out of my 50, that's 25% home runs almost. Yeah. So then my on my 50 outs, there has to be some strikeouts in there and some pop-ups. Because that's how I'm gonna get to the 12 home runs. I mean, it's, it's just it's just it's just like it's just like a numbers game. Mm-hmm. I got I gotta throw up enough strikeouts because I'm swinging that hard and I'm and I'm and I'm that aggressive with enough pop-ups to get that to that 12 number out of out of 50 hits or whatever it is out of 100 at bats, which is still one home run every 10 at bats, which is very good. That's a very good uh even if I'm getting the strikeout. So I totally get it. I mean look look at it from a from a numbers analytics point of view, um, and, and and to your point with with baseball, you know, doing what baseball is doing. However, here's my thing, and I, I want to talk to you about that. So, you, you mentioned something about launch angle earlier in your comment about the trickle down from baseball. Um, what are your thoughts? And I, I know we've, we've probably talked about this, but just for our listeners, what what are your thoughts on the um, the, the the launch angle phenomenon? or the launch angle phenomenon. We know how important it is, or it has been in baseball, but is it important in softball? And if so, how? You know, personally, I'm not a big launch angle person. I think that um, good hitters understand how to match planes of a pitch. And I think that that'll create a lot of the the lift and launch that you're looking for. Um, Obviously, certain pitchers are pitches are a little bit easier to um, create angles on and I think that they're also easier you know balls that are up in the zone are going to be a little bit easier to drive out of the park as opposed to balls down in the zone Um, and I think that you know I read a great piece about a month ago from uh, someone in Sports Illustrated about 
you know, in 1980s baseball saying, well, we had launch angle back then. We just didn't use the term, you know, <laughs> we, we, and I think that like anything, um, you know, it's hard to create something new in a game that's been around 150 years like baseball, um, you know, same in softball, you take a lot of the same ideas and concepts and yet there's just new ways to implement new ways to preach them but yes. I don't think that you know people are reinventing the wheel with things um, so I think you know in softball I think that you can see it a, a little bit more as far as some of the swing differences and things like that I you know one of the things coming from the baseball side of things you hear a lot of people say you can't teach a baseball swing in softball you know and I think that you hear, you know, Jess Mendoza talking about it, you know, and how many hitters, if you look at them side by side, whether it's Bubba Nichols and Alex Bregman or, you know, anyone else, you take a lot of the same um, concepts and mechanics and you put them side by side, those are all there and they mirror each other. They're just good hitters and um, mm -hmm. good hitters do a lot of the same things. Um, you know, we, you and I have talked about the game of softball and how you know in the game obviously you just have to cover more planes than baseball because mm -hmm. you have the up pitch yeah. you have a little bit more um you can create different movement you know like you have the drop curve versus baseball where it's a slider or it's a curve right um you know so i think that um going back to the launch angle i think that that's always there um you know when you're hitting home runs but I think that that goes back to more philosophy, what you're willing to give up to get on the offensive side. You know, there's a lot of coaches um, that have the philosophy, we want to have all home runs and we'll take the strikeouts. There's coaches that will say, we want to, you know, try and small game our way to runs. Um, and I think that you see some of the teams that are the most successful are teams that can do a little bit of both. They might be a little heavier on one side or the other. Um, but you see teams in postseason that never bunt at all, and then they get to postseason when it's tight ball games, and they have hitters that can't lay down a bunt because they've never done it. They've never you know? done it. Yeah. Um, so I think that you can you can have if you're a really good hitter and if you're a really good offensive team, you have bits and pieces of both. Yeah, I feel you, and and and, and I'm the same way. Regard that my students have never heard me say the word launch angle. I refuse to say it because I, I because I'm like if, if I have to tell you what part of the ball to hit, we got bigger problems. Like if, if you if you can't intuit what adjustment your body has to make on different spots, high to mid high to high high to high to mid high to low, if you can't make that adjustment, then we got bigger problems than like you than doing textbook than doing classroom stuff on launch angle so I totally totally and I believe that my launch angle changes according to the pitch mm -hmm, for sure you know, and, 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 I, and I think most of these hitters are pre they're pre-programmed like pre-pitch like okay I know what what area of the zone I'm sitting on so I'm going to begin to adjust my body way before that ball leaves not, well, not way before that ball leaves the hand but just about when it's leaving her hand or just about a little bit before a little bit after depending on the velocity i'm already on i'm already on my way to the body position that i need to be in to create whatever angle that i need for whatever pitch i'm looking for and i think that 
is what we don't see on video when we do video analysis. Mm-hmm. Because we're we're, we're, we're we're analyzing a video, but we don't one one we don't know what their intent what the intent of the hitter was because we never asked them. And two, sometimes we're analyzing video and there's only a batter in the frame, and we don't see a ball trajectory in the frame. We don't even know the context of the. We don't even know the context. We don't even know what the pitch before that was. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think, and I think and that's I, those are the those are the variables, dude. When we, when we when we're doing analytics and we're working with hitters and trying to understand understand outcomes, we got to take those things into consideration as, as an industry. Yes. Oh, for sure. And I think that you you see a lot of people. You know, you mentioned it. They'll take a clip of a hitter and say, "Well, this is what they're doing," but. You know, there's so many variables, like you mentioned, the pitch before, what the defense is doing and what the bat before did to them. Yeah. I mean, I think that you saw, you know, great adjustments from some of the hitters last night. You take Romero, who struggled in game one. Last night, she made a great adjustment, realizing that they were attacking her away, away, away. Um, You know, with Knighton, you know, she she set herself up for the inside pitch, um, you know, and and the two home runs she hit were both middle end pitches that she got to that she had put herself in position to go hit those pitches. It wasn't that, you know, she had had a certain hitting style that she was going into the game. She made an adjustment physically to get to those pitches. Absolutely. And you know, you know, Oklahoma has traditionally been the queens of adjustment. They make adjustments at bat to at bat, game to game, and they make adjustments in the at bat better than any team I've seen in the country. As a team, they really, yeah, they, they really adapt, and they'll they'll change their entire swing. They do a great job. They're, um, they're good at it. They're good. You know, I think that there's a lot of great hitting coaches across the country. Um, I think one of the things that you see from OU is more of the physical adjustments that they're making game to game. You know, there's a lot of teams who see some of the things that they do in game um, might be more philosophical adjustments yep. or sitting on pitches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sitting on a changeup if they're getting that pitch quite a bit late in the count. Um, you know, things to that aspect. But I think that. You know, you saw from OU, their hitters did a great job last night making an adjustment to Rachel, and, and really, they squared up a bunch of balls. Oh, I yeah. probably had eight, eight balls that were fly-outs to the fence last night that easily, you know, could have been another five feet and another home run. I mean, them, so. they, they made Rachel Garcia look human last night, and that, that's a very difficult thing to do. They, 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 made, yeah. they made her look very human, and I was I was really impressed by the effort. I mean, really impressed by the effort. Well, and I think one thing you see um, at the World Series and what made Rachel so impressive, even even though she got hit last night, was um, how incredible a shape she was in. You know, G. Juarez was in. Some of the other pitchers that threw multiple multiple games, multiple innings. But I think as you saw the World Series, the pitchers that went further, that you know, had their stamina tested a little bit. Hitters made them pay for mistakes. If you look at Knighton's two home runs, both those balls were leaking back over the middle of the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the home runs that UCLA hit last night were balls that were leaking back over the middle of the plate. She left and them those up. Those were spots. 
those were spots that the pitchers, those pitchers weren't missing earlier in the week, mm-hmm. um, you know, when they were a little bit fresher. But as the week wore on and they started to miss some of their spots a little bit, you saw hitters make them pay for mistakes last night. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got that right. Because G left a couple up that she, she normally wouldn't leave up. Mm-hmm. And you can't leave those balls up against UCLA. They're gonna hit them. Oh, they're gonna hit it over every time. It's not gonna be. <laughs> you know, you are so right. You are so right. So, um, you know, <clears throat> I wanna, I wanna move on to, um, talk, talk to me about your your season at Utah, at Utah Valley, uh, because I know it was your first year, um, mm-hmm. and you you get you getting back into you know, college softball. Um, what was that like? I know, I know your family had to move. Um, you're a new dad. You know, you guys were out in Utah. Uh, what was that like? Um, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, big adjustment. Obviously, yeah. I think the biggest adjustment just personally was, you know, we had our first our first kid during the season, yeah. uh, March 4th. So, you know, probably one of the greatest experiences of my life. But having a baby in the middle of the season, and I give my wife a lot of credit. She... She does the, the brunt of the work, but um, it makes it, you know, a challenge for sure. But, um, you know, it's it's definitely co- going from pro ball to college. It's, it's, you know, eye-opening. I worked a lot with our pitchers and defense this year. Um, and so from that aspect, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. I, I had a, a young lady that was a transfer pitcher from Texas El Paso and um, she did a great job of developing for us. Um, as a team, we, we struggled a little bit, but, um, you know, we had a tough blow. We had one of our top hitters and the freshman of the year from the year before tore her ACL. And in week two, um, you know, she was sitting in our three-hole, hitting 700 in 10 games of the season. And, you know, you, you take that out of your lineup, um, you know, it makes it, it makes it tough, you know, because you ask more hitters, other hitters to do probably a little bit more and sometimes they press more than they need to in those situations um but it was definitely it was definitely a fun challenge you know you go from pro ball um where your season is a little bit more on the managerial side of things Mm -hmm. where you're trying to you know just get everyone on the same page and and things happen really quick and you have players coming from 20 different programs that you're trying to get on the same page um and you know at the college level it's back to teaching and breaking things down a little bit more Mm -hmm. and trying to develop and um you know instilling some of the concepts that we've talked about you know from how how are you gonna make an adjustment you know what ways can you make a physical or mental adjustment Mm -hmm. to a pitcher or a hitter that you're facing um you know some of those things so from a coaching side it was a lot of fun to kind of dive back in personally and get back into the teaching side of things yeah. and and the breakdown and kind of you know what are some things that we can do a little bit better from a team standpoint from an individual standpoint from a coaching standpoint to to develop and grow these players yeah and i think that's that's the beauty of the game because there's levels and you have to be able to adapt as a coach and your coaching abilities to the level and to the athlete you know, and that's something that, you know, as a, as, as the master teacher that you are, like you, 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 you okay, pro level, 
how do I squeeze? How do I squeeze out of these athletes what I need to squeeze out of them in this grind and, and keep them hungry and keep them inspired, right? And what is my communication like with this person? People skills. I think people skills is a really underrated uh, talent or gift, and having that emotional intelligence as a coach. For you, sure, you know it's um, mm-hmm. you know you get you get players at the pro level, and you know they're coming in here. You know, even though they're being paid to do this, you know they're coming in here with a mindset like, you know, they're gonna grind, and you know, there's days that even if it's a light workout day for us, you'll see some of the hitters in the cages for an extra hour or two getting work or fixing a swing. Um, you know, at the college level, some of that is trying to develop that mindset within them that, hey, you know, we got we to gotta put this in, um, you know, and you have a lot of different personalities, just like you do at the pro level, but you, you have them for a lot longer, and I think that the other thing you're facing at the at the college level is, you know, a lot of these players, especially with the freshmen and sophomores, it's their first year or two away from home. You know, they might be across the country from mom and dad, might not have a lot of friends in the area yet. So um, there's a lot more on the kind of off the field side as far as taking care of the players and trying yeah. to do things to help them. Um, grow not only as a player on the field, but grow individually off the field to be the best person they can be. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So, so talk to me about scrapyard. So, scrapyard softball. Um, how's it? How has the transition been from the separation of the team from the National Pro Fastpitch League to creating basically their own? model of what professional what professional softball should look like how has that been over the last couple of years and um what are some of the goals that you look to be able to accomplish this year with, with scrapyard so um we're still doing um kind of our own independent thing here at scrapyard so yep. right now we just have um the one team down here this year we're going to be playing um, a heavy June and July schedule, late June and July schedule. Um, we're going to be playing in the International Cup. We're going to be playing in Canada Cup, and we're going to be playing Team USA. Um, one of the things that's new, unique about this summer is we really don't have a lot of the international players that we've had in previous years because a lot of them are with their national teams trying to get ready for the Olympics next year or trying to qualify um, with their national team. So that's kind of a unique situation. So we'll have a lot of new faces this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really enjoyed it. You know, here I think our, our ownership group has done a great job of putting together um, a, a great model of what things are are starting to look like mm-hmm. and, and what we're capable of doing here mm-hmm. um, with, you know, so many talented softball players. I mean, you look at just the college world series alone there's eight teams there and a lot of those players on those eight teams can play but there's so many more players in the country that hopefully we can continue to to provide more opportunities for those players um outside of you know just the couple of pro leagues that are in the area and stuff you know i know there's a league now in alabama that's um doing some things and and then the mpf and uh you know hopefully within that framework that there's a lot more opportunities here within the U.S. 
for players to have the opportunity to continue on. So, you know, when players or people watch a game like last night, you know, that's not the last time they get to watch good softball until next February or March. And it's not the last time some of those high those college seniors get to get to play either. <laughs> exactly. They get to exactly. continue their they get to continue their career. That's great. So yep, we so, want them to have that opportunity for sure. Yeah. So were, were you able to get any 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 um, signees from this year's uh, NCAA senior class? Uh, and and if so, who are they? Yeah. So um, we have a, a handful of players that we signed. Um, you know, we have Jessica Hartwell from Texas Tech, Aubrey Leach we signed from Tennessee, uh, we we signed Sam Shaw from Oklahoma State, um, we have Colin Becker coming in from Mississippi State, um, and you know, there might be a, a, hand, a couple more, you know, that we discuss as we get ready to go into the season, but um, right now it looks like we're going to carry a roster of about 20 for the summer give or take one or two there and um so th those are some of the pieces we were able to add there and we're excited to have them on board um you know obviously uh they bring you know unique talents kylan can fly um you know that other group they can you know aubrey can fly as well but um the other two they can swing it and you know they do a really good job you know complementing the pieces we have in place already. Yeah, that's cool. So what so so how many how many players on the out of the twenty that you're gonna keep are gonna be playing USA softball? And how does that work? So right and, now, and how does that work? How are they gonna how are they gonna do both? What does that look like? Um in terms of how how much you'll have them with, with scrapyard, how much they'll be gone with their USA commitment. How does that work? Well and right now, um, and we also, I forgot one name too. We added uh, Riley um, Sartain from Texas A&M. So, you know, we, we added a bunch of pieces um, that are gonna be great. Um, but like I had mentioned before, we actually don't have anyone that's involved directly with a national team right now. Um, what we do have is probably four or five players that are on the fringe of maybe getting an invite back for the for their national team tryouts oh, okay. um, later this year. So currently uh, Team USA will have their group of players that will be playing. You know, a lot of the other national teams have their groups of players that will be playing. And from our end, we have, um, we have a group that there's probably about five on our team that are still trying to push and, and get another invite or maybe were a former national team player. Um, Casey Cooper's been on the roster before. Um, Morgan Zirkel's been on the roster before. Sam Fisher's been on the roster before. Um, Kylan Becker was on the, on the roster last summer. So, you know, some of them um, may have missed out in the previous tryout, you know, with an opportunity, but I think that, you know, they're working here to try and maybe get another invite back for it, um, along with just getting the opportunity to continue playing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got you. I hear you. So, um, this summer, you know, obviously I, I, we'll, we'll see each other. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be coming down to check you guys out. Uh, you guys are going to be in Georgia for the, uh, in Columbus, Georgia. For the international cup, um, when when do the players actually report? 
and what are going to be how does that look like uh, you know you kind of obviously they're going to there's, there's probably going to be a, a decompress for some of the athletes that are coming right off right out of the college season who, who are playing in the postseason or maybe even coaching in the postseason and then you have those players that are probably been getting ready all they probably never stopped getting ready <laughs> Uh, I'm sure there's probably some 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 players that are already in you know in in Texas getting you know preparing and, and, and kind of getting in shape, getting in game shape. Yeah. But what does that what does that process yeah. look like in terms of like indoctrinating the new players into the into the current structure? Um, uh, what does that workout look like? What's the day? What, what does the day look like? A typical day, sun up to sundown. What does that look like? Well, we have a couple players that have already gotten in the market, and we'll have a couple more throughout the next few days that will be coming in. Um, you know, we'll have our official report date is uh, June 16th, and then we'll kick off um, some of the meetings, media, um, you know, physicals, things like that that they need to get done, and then we'll get rolling with practice. Um, from, from the player's perspective, Everyone's a little bit different, you know, especially from some of the collegiate players aspect um, that have been playing. A lot of them, you know, we'll sit down with and just kind of find out where they're at physically, mentally. You know, sometimes we have to scale some of them back as they come in and, and they want to, a lot of them feel like they need to go, go, go. But a, a lot of times with them, we need to scale them back a little bit just to get them a little bit of a physical or mental break because they've been going hard for you know, typically 10 months straight right now. Hmm. Um, and then you have, you know, some of those that maybe were coaching collegiately or, you know, just haven't haven't been doing a whole lot as far as um, playing and co competition. Some of those, um, that group will have to gear up a little bit, you know, try and get them more reps. Um, a typical day, you know, a lot of times we'll go with the early morning practice here um, Texas heat isn't much fun in the summer so we try and get a, a morning workout in you know before it gets too hot out on the field and then uh, we'll usually um, come back in the afternoon and hit a little bit and then some days we'll go with an evening session and you know a lot of times our evening session will just be more of a scrimmage or, or a type of format to do a little bit more of teamwork in that setting from um, from the competitive standpoint of implementing some of the things we did in, in our morning breakdown session from, you know, maybe we put in first and thirds that morning and we're going to run it now in a more live setting at practice that night, or maybe we've done small game, things like that, or just trying to get our pitchers, pitchers and hitters live ABs in the evening and stuff like that. Um, it really hits pretty quick because they come in, we've got about two weeks of, of camp together, and then we start playing. And once you start playing, you know, it's hard to get a lot of practice time. So you try to implement everything from a coaching staff standpoint within those two weeks. You kind of have your, your checklist that you run down of everything you need to have in from verbal communication to, you know, rotations on small games who's going where on cuts you know every little detail there and um, so a lot of times it, it gets it can kind of seem overwhelming the first week or so but you know you start to put those checks in the boxes and um, as you get to opening day it, it gets to be a lot of fun as you see everything over two week period kind of come come together that's cool have you had an opportunity 
to um, spend any time with the junior national team and take a look at some of the prospects that are coming up and um, who were some of the, if so, who were some, who were some of the um, athletes that you thought like really stood out to you? Um, well, I had an opportunity this past January to be involved with the junior and senior team um, tryouts and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was my first year with it and it was a, a great opportunity. I was definitely much appreciative of the opportunity to be there and just kind of help out with it. Um, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of see from the junior team perspective an up and coming, um, the, the next wave of softball superstar, you could say in our country coming up. Um, and I mean, I, you saw some of the names in the world series, you know, Montana Fouts, um, you know, one, one name that was kind of under the radar, um, the UCLA left fielder, Kelly Godine, um, big fan of her. She came in at open tryouts actually at the junior team and made it all the way through. Um, and is going to be a part of the team going into this summer with coach Tar and her coaching staff. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, a, it's just a lot of fun to see kind of some of the next wave of talent across our country. And you saw a lot of those freshmen, um, you know, contribute on the national stage for their teams to have success um it'll be fun there the junior national team will actually be at scrapyard next week um starting june 10th running their training camp and getting ready for their summer schedule with coach tar um and the rest of their staff for the summer yeah that'd be good that'd be cool i'm looking forward to that. i'm looking forward to seeing how they how they do I, I had an opportunity to spend some time with jada coleman um out of texas she's out of the dallas area mm -hmm. she's like She's a left-handed fielding shortstop. And know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever just, seen her play, but I'm gonna tell you right now, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I can't even. I don't have any words. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to watch at tryouts. Um, you know, unique in being a left-handed shortstop, but um, she wants to wants to play there. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure where she's gonna end up at college, but I'm mm -hmm. sure that she's gonna get a chance to compete at shortstop at Oklahoma mm -hmm. um, but um, she can play yeah she's, she's an athlete yeah she's, um, she's a baller man. <laughs> you could put her anywhere on the field and the girl's gonna find a way to get it done yes for sure for sure and people forget that that Knighton when Knighton was a college recruit <clears throat> with the Corona Angels she was the top recruited shortstop in the country and, she, mm -hmm. and then she goes to Oklahoma and she plays first base <laughs> yep. Most people do not well, know that. <laughs> and I, I think you and I have talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that you take a look at, you know, players in our sport mm -hmm. and they have a lot of room to develop yet, whether mm -hmm. their skill set translates to another position mm -hmm. um, that you can spend some time developing. I mean, the name that always comes to my mind on the baseball side is Buster Posey, you know, transitioning from a college shortstop to a pro catcher. Wow. Um, you know, <laughs> and then I look back at, you know, a couple of the years in Chicago with the pro team there where, you know, one day we looked out there in a game and we had seven collegiate shortstops playing defensively um, in just various positions. And so I think that, you know, if you have an athlete and they're willing to work and spend the time on it in development, I think that you can find ways to put people in, in positions that 
not only maybe benefit them personally, but benefit the team um, in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. You're just a softball player. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you want to be on the field, so let's go. I'll figure it out, coach. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> you know? <laughs> so, look, Mike, we are, you know, um, it's been 40 minutes. I, I, I didn't want to keep you this long, but I really appreciate your time. Um, Get coming on this morning um i will obviously see you in a couple of weeks uh we we um i always want to let people know how they can get in touch with you on what on what your social channels are in case they forgot in case you want to follow mike and you want to follow um what's going on with with uh with scrapyard softball and and some of the other things mike's doing with the national team and stuff so uh how, how can we follow you how can we find you on social mike to if we want to uh give you a follow or just check out what you got what you got going on for sure, for sure. I'm on, um, well, I do a little bit of everything on social media. I'm not the best with it, but uh, <laughs> on Twitter, on Twitter, coach underscore Stu. Uh, that's my stuff on Twitter. I do a lot more of my coaching stuff on there. And then um, just from personally, I do uh, a little bit more of my family stuff on Instagram. And that's coach underscore Stu five. Mm-hmm. Um, on Instagram there. So yeah, definitely if I can, you know, and this is one thing I always say, whether it's, you know, me and you or anyone else, you know, a young coach coming up or just a player, if there's anything I can do to help someone from, you know, just talking to them about the game or anything else really, um, you know, feel free to reach out and get in touch with me and I'll do what I can to help. We appreciate it. That's what makes you one of the good guys. <laughs> You're definitely one of the good guys, and I consider you a good friend. I really appreciate you being on here today, and I'm um, looking forward to what the future holds for you. Congratulations on fatherhood. Um, Thank you. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to you and your wife. Shout out to you. Shout out to your wife, and um, we will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be in touch. And that's it. Turned in strength sending sports with Rob Cruz and Mike Stewart was our guest. Catch y'all later. <laughs>